I had my topic chosen for me this, this morning, so I'm being the obedient person and speaking on maturity and discipleship. Being whispered in my ear, let them know that this is one of the five purposes of our church. <laughs> if you haven't already got that, discipleship and maturity is one of our pivotal purposes. Last time Ben spoke, um, spoke on service. So I'm going to attempt to just give a brief message on discipleship and ma maturity. Now, why am I doing that? Why do we need to hear about that? A good question. I believe that if we don't continue on in our journey as disciples and ma ma mature, we'll be stuck in brokenness, stuck in depravity. I happened to listen to just fortuitously Ravi Zacharias just last night and he pointed out if you're in any doubt that humankind is broken, just look at Auschwitz, what the Germans did. You know, it's a sobering topic. But they took people, they killed thousands in the gas chambers. They cut off women's hair, there's pounds and pounds of hair there. You know, I have in my heart, I've learnt after all these years, there's the lovely part of all of us and there is the ugly. And if we don't mature, and that's my hope, this, this morning we march on to that maturity and uh, discipleship because if we don't, the alternative is not that pretty. It's a lot of brokenness. May I read you this scripture? This is one of my favourite scriptures. For everything that was written to teach us in the past was written to teach us that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So I'm hoping to dish out a lot of hope this morning because as Esther shared her testimony, as Josh did the kids' video, it's written. What's written down can encourage our hearts so much. I know when I study God's word every morning, it's my favourite part of the day. I get up in the morning, I make my Earl Grey tea and I go to my study and I just read God's word and that fills me up every day. It's just pivotal. I'd like to just put up at my first slide and I've showed you, this is a picture of actually of my family last week at Takapuna Beach and they're just walking and essentially that's what our road to maturity and discipleship is. It's just walking. We just walk that journey and we move forward on to discipleship. You know, there's so many aspects. I didn't know what to choose when I was given this topic actually. What am I going to share? on discipleship. You know, Jesus really kicked the ball out the park. I don't know if you've noticed, but he's radical, right? He sees stuff, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Well, who says that sort of stuff? Who says deny yourself? Isn't it all about me? You know, we were studying our ladies' Bible study that we can live in like a Babylon culture. Life is about me, get real. No, what does Jesus say? Deny yourself? Who says that stuff? He did. So it's actually not all about me, it's about him. So what does it mean to be a disciple? I looked in my Vines Bible Dictionary by Unger and um, William. It says that a disciple is a learner one willing to learn and abide in what? Abide in the word of, of word of Jesus. 
that's the key. We learn and we grow and we abide in the word of Jesus. You know, when I first made my commitment to the Lord as a teenager, to be honest, that was the easy bit. I went to a Life in the Spirit seminar, probably shared my testimony before, baptised in his spirit, and that made my faith solid. But you know what? The hard bit is blinking while walking it out. <laughs> it's the easy bit, isn't it? That's the easy bit. As we confess he is Lord, but what does it mean after that? And then I had to learn, and it's taken me a while, that my plans are not his plans. He has very different plans for my life than what I initially thought. And it's amazing how we can think that my plans are his plans. <laughs> Have you been there? You know, we can be so deceived if we don't read the word of God we can get all the wrong plans. So part of that journey to maturity and discipleship is uncovering his plan. And I hate to tell you, but it's self-denial. It's not doing what we want. It's denying ourselves. Let me explain that later. Let's look at the next picture. This is a picture I took on our anniversary just in February of Nelson Lakes. And the reason I'm putting that up there because, and I'm glad the youth are away this weekend actually, because I don't want to burst their bubble by telling them life is, can be difficult. It can be shades of grey, it can be beautiful, can't it? There's suffering, there's all sorts of things, but it can be difficult. And sometimes it can be like climbing Mount Everest without oxygen. Actually, my son-in-law recently climbed Congo in Africa just a few weeks ago, 17,000 foot mountain. And I think it would have been hard. The endurance and the perseverance would have been really hard. You know, Mother Teresa wrote, and she's very correct in this, after 59 years and four kids and five grandchildren, I think she's got it right. She says, life is a challenge, a sorrow, struggle, and even a tragedy. And it's when you move on in life and you visit other parts of the world, life is a tragedy. There's just no two ways about it. And even Jesus agreed with this statement. He said, in this life you will have trouble. Sorry about that. But he also gave us this amazing verse and he said, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. So don't be anxious. As Beth Moore said in our Bible study, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Why? Because there's enough trouble in every day. There will be trouble, but don't be anxious about that trouble. So what are we really signing up for when we can commit to discipleship? You know, when you get a new job, what are you signing up for? What are we really signing up for? We're signing up to be learning and to abide in the words of Jesus Christ. You know, I've been reading the Gospel of Mark lately, and I was astounded, and it actually made me crack up, and I laughed because Jesus was just fed the 5,000. Some of you may remember that passage. He fed the 5,000, and then he got into the boat, and Jesus said to the disciples, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Well, you know what the disciples did? They started talking about, we don't have any bread. Um, where is the bread? What are we going to do with that bread? They totally missed the point. And it just struck me as so funny. We can be like them, can't we? We don't always understand the things that the Lord is doing in our lives. 
it gave me that sense of encouragement. You know, if the disciples didn't get it and they were with the Lord for three years, don't be too hard on yourself if you don't get it. Don't be too hard on yourself if you don't recognise and understand God's word. So what is a discipleship? Learning and abiding in the words of Jesus. I've got this next picture for you. This is a picture of my granddaughter, and you may be wondering why she's up there. Her name is Octavia. My point with this picture is that discipleship and maturity takes time. Don't be fooled. It's going to take a little while. Don't be too hard on yourself. If you've fallen over in one area, you think, I've messed up, I'm a broken person. No, you're not, because it just takes time. Get up. Do not give up. Keep on going. You know, many of us have had 12 years of education, possibly another four or five years of tertiary, and then at the end, end, end of it all, you often say, well, the more I know, the less I know. But my point is, is that we grow. We grow as a person with our minds. We grow physically like my granddaughter. She ain't going to stay that small, right? She's going to grow. So we are here for discipleship and maturity to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's another picture of us as we as we. Grow. This is my other granddaughter, Olympia. So she's just growing that little bit more. And I'll just flick over my page here. So it takes, it takes time. I found sometimes it's taken me too long. At times I get very impatient with myself. I think surely I would understand now Surely life shouldn't be this way. Surely, Lord, things should be different than the way that they are. But actually, no, maturity and discipleship is a process. And what's the most effective way, I personally believe, to get us to that destination is to read God's word. It's the most effective way. You know, it's written down. Jesus often used to say, it is written so the teachings of Jesus, I'm sorry to tell you, are extremely radical. People wouldn't actually think of doing what he says, would they? Or would they? And that's my challenge to us as a church. Are we going to take that? Are we going to take those radical teachings? Are we going to actually do them? That would be a bit crazy, wouldn't it? A little bit a bit nuts. My next scene is a picture of Ian and I and you're probably wondering why the hang have I got a picture of a troll from the Lord of the Rings that was a picture taken in February on our anniversary again and the reason I've got that horrible ugly nasty troll there is that Jesus tells us in his word and I'm going to read you some Bible verses some way out stuff. We've read these verses, but this in essence is what it means to be a disciple. That troll reminds me of enemies, those things in our life that are really tough and that are really hard. To me, he looks gross, but people like my son really love him. <laughs> this is what it says in the Gospel of Matthew 5, 38 to verse 48. I'll just read them. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, and this is the words of Jesus, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, 
Turn to him, turn to him the other also. Well, that seems nuts. Really? Somebody hits me on the cheek, I turn to another. I don't know what you think, but I think that's crazy. This is not talking about just as a sideline domestic abuse. It's not talking about that. It's, not, it's actually talking about personal conflict and personal situations, not the responsibility of government. What this passage meant, Jesus was referring to in the Old Testament, that when we, that our retaliation doesn't go beyond what somebody had done to us. In the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. You could only give back what somebody did to you. However, in Matthew, Jesus comes up with something so radical. No, it's not just eye for an eye. You turn the other cheek. You know, Wolverine and Zuck in my commentary, my Bible commentary, said the righteous man, the man of peace, will actually go that extra mile and behave like that. That's pretty out there, isn't it? God is asking us, by his word, to turn the other cheek. Let's carry on. In Matthew it says, If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your coat as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Are you kidding? Again, the righteous man will do what it takes to give out peace, to live in peace, even if he is wrong, um, even if he's sued. I mean, that takes a lot of courage, right? If someone does you harm, to not sue the pants off them. And that's what they do in America, don't they? They sue you. Carrying on, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy, and that troll looks like an enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? You know... That's really sticking it out the park. Like, love your enemies. Are you kidding? Pray for those that persecuted, that you may be sons of who? Sons of my parents? Daughters of my parents? No. You may be sons of our Father in heaven. Why? He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He's different. Man, is he different. He gives good gifts to the evil and the good. You just go outside. It rains in the most corrupt of places, and the sun shines there too. So really, to be disciples and mature, we have to have the audacity to love our enemies. Overcome evil with good. You know, if you're ever in a situation, I think the counsel of God's word is, overcome the difficulties, overcome the poverty, overcome the desperation and the despair and the depression with good. It's such a different counsel. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? He calls us to love our families, which can be very difficult. He causes us to want to forbear those at work and even at church. You think that church people are going to be perfect? Sorry, they're not. <laughs> They're really not going to be perfect. Let's carry on. Are not even the tax collectors doing that? You know, people who, are, who should I say in a very humble heart, haven't heard about our Saviour and Lord, they love one another. Don't get me wrong. They love one another. They love their families. 
but God calls us to an even higher standard. You can't just get away with loving those who love you. you he's calling us to love others. Love our enemies, sorry, out there. Now my next picture, in Matthew 7, this was taken on our anniversary too. <laughs> this was a picture of Ian and I, and this passage about maturing and being disciples hits home. This is really hard. This is what Matthew 7 says. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the measure you use, and it will be measured to you. You know, I don't know if you're like me, it's probably just me, but I can tend to judge others. I can judge my husband, I can judge my friends, and for sometimes I don't really get those judgments right. You know, I was thinking, how else do we judge? The word of God, as far as I can work it out, figures that we should judge those outside, the, we should not judge those outside the church. Judge the behaviours of those inside the church. And why do I say that? There's a lot of media uh, interest around the LGBT. A lot of judging going on outside the church. The way I read the word of God, we want to love those people. Love the LGBT people. And the reason I say that is because that's the way God's heart is. To love those, not judge them. We can have that attitude and discernment to one another, but let's love them, you know? And the reason this is so close to my heart, my lovely brother Colin chose to get into the homosexual lifestyle as a teenager. And it was so hard when he told that to us as brother and sister, mum and dad. Unfortunately, he got AIDS and he died at 23. But I loved my brother just because he walked a path that wasn't what I know is right and what our Father God thinks that's right. Does that mean I don't, I don't love him? No, I loved him. The morning that he died, we, I washed him, I brushed his hair, I cleaned, I brushed his teeth and, and I was with my brother. I didn't want to see him die, but no, his behaviour, his choice wasn't who he was, as Esther said, wasn't his identity. It was just a choice. So no, let's not judge those outside the church. Let's judge those inside. Moving on. Why do you look at the speck, and I like that word, the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Who looks at the speck? Do you look at the speck? I look at the speck, and I need to remind myself, Kimberly, don't look at the speck. Pay, and then you pay no attention, it says in Matthew, to the plank in your own eye. If any word of God has saved me a lot of trouble and essentially has really helped me in my marriage, because believe it or not, Ian and I have disagreements. We have big disagreements, and it's really hard sometimes. And unfortunately, I think the more you go on in life and you go through the seasons, you don't know what you don't know, and then you experience what you don't know, and then everything can turn to custard. But this verse helps me a lot, thinking, Kimberly, look at the plank in your own eye. Let him off the hook. 
How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there's a plank in your eye? How often I choose to see the faults and harbour them. And I can become really bitter and angry and upset. And it's hard, but the word of God can set us free. Ben's saying he's came to set the captives free. Let him set you free from the bitterness and the anger by remembering you've got a plank. I hate to tell you that, but we all have planks in our eyes. This verse, I think, as we journey to discipleship and maturity will keep us sane. Let's, let's face it, life can make you bitter. There's stuff that happens and surely, and yes, it will and should make you bitter, but if we apply the power and the, and the, of the word of God, we can be set free. We don't need to live in that. Jesus had some really strong words again. He says, you hypocrite. Blank and Nora, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. God help us. Hebrews 12, verses 5 to 11. This is my last slide. You may be wondering what I've got the slide of my son. This is my son Stephen with Olympia over his shoulder. Now he's got to hold two beautiful daughters. Have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons and daughters? We are his sons, we are his daughters. But you know what? As a, as a disciple working towards maturity, God will discipline us. Hate to tell you that, but this is part of our relationship with him. My son, do not make light the discipline of the Lord. One day my son Stephen, he's going to have to grow up and as though it will probably break his heart, he'll have to discipline those beautiful girls. He'll have to show them out of his love what's right and wrong. The word of God tells us, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes and accepts everyone he loves and accepts them as a son. You know, part of his heart is that he wants to correct us, that we can mature. We don't stay like baby Christians. When I punished my children, it was actually really hard. It was easier in some ways to not punish them than to punish them, but I did it because I love them. Endure hardship, Hebrews tells us, as discipline. Huh? Endure hardship as discipline. So therefore, when it's hard, I should think God's disciplining me. That's a new way of thinking about it, isn't it? What's God doing in my life in this difficult situation, in this desperate situation, in this chronic reoccurring problem? What is he doing? He's building me as his disciple. He's actually treating you as sons, treating you as daughters. And exactly when is actually discipline but nice? If any of you got a smack from your parents, I was in that generation, they were allowed to smack us. It wasn't nice. I'm sorry, but discipline isn't nice. You know, the Lord had to discipline me when I was going out with my husband, Ian, and I mentioned this possibly in brief last time. We were going out for two years. We were in a serious relationship with one another. I had the audacity at the end to go out with someone else. And he found out. <laughs> and he broke up with me, <laughs> which he should have, because I wasn't just his girlfriend. I was quite serious, you know. We would think about when we were going to get married, when we were going to have kids, you know. And when he broke up with me, that 
absolutely devastated. It broke my heart. I realized what a jerk I'd been, what I'd lost. But in the disciplining process, we were apart for a whole year, didn't even speak to him. You know, it was like the Lord was testing and purifying in my heart and, he's, and saying, you need to be faithful to a person because this is what it feels like to be alone. This is what it feels like in a broken relationship. It was crushing. I was in despairing. I felt so, I even felt angry. But God needed to punish me. So one day, when we actually did get back together, he asked me to marry him. Surprise, surprise. But I had to learn through that disciplining time to be faithful because adultery is worse. If you're not faithful and you don't learn to mature and be God's disciple, the, the broken glass, the broken images of your life are going to be worse. So now I look back and think, well, thank you, Lord, because you showed me and taught me what it meant to be faithful. So for what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everybody undergoes discipline, then you are not his children, you are not true sons. In closing, in my final passage, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more shall we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers, and my father was a good father, he disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But we just don't have a father like my father, and he was a good man. We have God the Father who created the lot. So if you're going through a hard time, endure it as discipline. He's doing something good in your life. God disciplines us for our good that we may share in what? Share in his holiness. We were called to be like him. I'll just get Ben and the team to come up. So... That's probably enough about discipline and maturity for one morning. <laughs> You've probably got your ears full, but I hope it's a message of encouragement because God's love for you is great. As Philip shared, the message of salvation is astounding. It's forgiveness, it's justice, it's reconciliation, and that's what I hope that you walk out of this room here. I hope you'll learn to abide in him, I hope you'll learn to trust, really trust in our God because his words are right. They will bless your life. There's enough trouble out there of its own. Don't mess it up by refusing to be disciplined by the Lord. Let us, uh, let us pray. And if there's anybody that would like to know more about this person, Jesus, you know, he's not Allah. He's not a polytheistic God, as we've been talking about. This is Jesus. If you want to learn more about him, please don't hesitate to speak with Esther, Grant, Ben. Speak with us. It would be our most wonderful privilege to tell you about him. So thank you for listening, and let us pray. Father, we do come before you with humble hearts, knowing that we cannot do this journey without you. We cannot mature and grow into disciples of your word without the ever-present, powerful Holy Spirit. I pray for us all here, Lord, 
that indeed we may live that radical life, that we may encourage each other in our journey of discipleship and maturity, our journey of learning and abiding. Father, you are God and you are King. Thank you for this time that we've had. And we just remember being in the youth. I mean, Joshua and our youth as they're away. Lord, bless them, lead them to your truth. We think of our missions team, Lord. Thank you that they've gone. And Father, may they uncover the truth. You said those who seek you, they will find that truth. And may they find it as they minister and as they give out, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.